Thank you for checking out this sermon video here at Hope Church. We are so excited that you came across this message and are tuning in. If you're joining us for the first time, I want to be the first to say, welcome to Hope Church. Do us a favor and text NEW TO HOPE to 94090. After you hit send, you'll get an immediate response from our team with a link to a short form for you to fill out so that we can get to know you better. The message you are about to watch is part of our current sermon series, Proverbs, Everlasting Wisdom for Everyday Life. Once again, thank you for joining us today. Enjoy the sermon. I want to begin today with a question. So as you're kind of settling in there into your seat or if you're online settling in with that cup of coffee on the couch or wherever you're watching, I want you to get ready because I want you to answer this question with a show of hands, all right? How many of you would like to know that you are living in sync with God's plan and purpose for your life? Let me see your hand. Just hold it up. Keep it up for a second. I'm watching you online. Put your hand up there. All right. You can put them down. It looked like just about everybody in the room. I'm not sure about the online audience today, but, but most of you in the room said, it's my desire to be able to say that I'm living in sync with God's plan and God's purpose for my life. And the reality is every Jesus follower should desire that. Amen. Every Jesus follower should desire for their lives to be in sync with God's purpose and God's plan for their life. What if I could tell you today that God gives us instruction in his word that will guarantee that we're doing that? What if we looked at a section of scripture today that makes it very clear How you and I can know with absolute certainty that we are living in sync with God's purpose and God's plan for our life. As a matter of fact, the scripture that we're going to read today reveals to us if we'll simply follow this instruction, you can know beyond a shadow of a doubt that you are living in sync with God's purpose and God's plan for your life. Anybody want to know where that scripture is? I, I'm not, I, I didn't hear you. Anybody want to know where that scripture is? All right. You've been reading it this week. It's arguably the most famous verses from the book of Proverbs. Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6. Let's read it. Look what it says. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him. Now here comes the promise. And he will make your paths straight. It's a really simple section of Scripture. It's not complicated. You don't have to really know original languages to grasp the principles here. And I want you to see something as we read this. 
all of these, the, these instructions, trust in the Lord, lean not on your own understanding, and all your ways acknowledge him, every one of the verb forms there are you singular, meaning this is not God's word for us necessarily as a people. This is God speaking to every one of us as individuals. This is God talking to you about how you can know for sure that you're living in sync with God's purpose and God's plan for your life. Three simple instructions. So here's the big idea that I want to give you today. A wise way to live is in sync with God's plan and purpose for your life. That's a wise way to live. The book of Proverbs reveals this over and over and over again. We've been reading this together now for a couple of months, daily, just journeying together, reading the book of Proverbs. As you've been doing that over and over again, we see instruction not to follow our way, but that there's blessing, there's joy, there's favor, there's abundance in following God's way. The wise way for you and I to live is in sync with God's plan and purpose for our lives. Now, before we dig into this verse of Scripture, these couple of verses, I want to show you some biblical reasons why this wisdom statement is a true statement. Let me show you some places in the Scripture that prove that it's very wise for you and I to desire to live in sync with God's plan and God's purpose. The first one is in Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 11. Look at this verse of Scripture. God speaks and he says, for I know the plans that I have for you. You know what that phrase alone tells us? This ought to excite you tonight. God has a plan for you. I said, this ought to excite you. If that's excitement, we're in trouble. Listen, God has a plan for you. God has a plan for you. You're not just aimlessly wandering through this thing called life. God has a plan. For I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord. Now get this, plans for, say that out loud. Now we hear that and think of a government program. <laughs> but that's not the Hebrew word here for welfare. This word welfare here, let me give you some other ways that this word is translated. Well-being, prosperity, completeness wholeness. I know the plans for you and the plans that I have for you are prosperous. I know the plans for you and the plans that I have for you bring you completeness. I know the plans that I have and the plans that I have bring you wholeness. This word welfare is used 236 times in the Old Testament. 162 times this word is translated with one word. You know what it is? Peace. Anybody like a little peace in your life? Listen, God says, I know the plans that I have for you. And they're plans to give you peace, not calamity, to give you a future hope. So here's the first reason why that statement is true, that it's wise to live this way. God's plan and purpose for your life will bring you peace. It's wise for you and I to live in sync with God's plan and purpose because it's going to bring peace and wholeness and completeness into our lives. But there's a second reason. It's found in Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 10. Look at this verse. Ephesians 2.10 says, For we are his workmanship. 
Now, this word workmanship, it's a beautiful word in the Greek language. It's a word that literally means masterpiece. How about that? Anybody told you that lately? You a masterpiece. And you're not just somebody's masterpiece. You're his masterpiece. God's. We're his workmanship, his masterpiece, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand. This phrase means in eternity past, meaning before you were even you, God had a plan for you, and it's a plan that was going to result in good works being accomplished in and through your life. Why is that important? The word good here is a word that means useful, beneficial, meaningful. Here's what this means. God's plan and purpose for your life will give you significance. Anybody here today want your life to matter? Come on, right? I mean, we want our lives to matter. We want to make our mark. We want to, we want to make an impact. We want to make a difference in the world. I can guarantee you your life will make a difference if you walk in sync with God's plan and purpose for your life because before you even born, he created you for works that are useful, beneficial, significant, meaningful, valuable. Let me give you a third reason why this is important. It's in 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 9. Look at this verse. But just as it is written, things which the, get this, eye has not seen. I mean, nobody ever seen anything like this. Things that the ear has not heard. Nobody's ever heard anything like this. Things which have not entered the heart of man. Nobody's even dreamed of this. Look what it says. This is all that God has prepared for those who love him. Here's the third reason why it's a wise way to live. God's plan and purpose for your life will blow your mind. It's going to give you peace. It's going to give you significance. And it's, what if I told you today that you could have a life filled with peace? You could have a life filled with significance. And you could have a life that would literally blow you away. Anybody ready to sign up for that? Listen. That's exactly what we're promised. And listen, I just gave you three scriptures. We could have spent the entire sermon just running through these scriptures about why it's wise to pursue God's purpose and God's plan for your life. So with that as kind of the foundation out of Proverbs 3, I want to give you three important steps to walking in sync with God's plan and purpose for your life. In the verses that we read out of, out of Proverbs chapter 3, what we find are three Hebrew commands. All of the way that these words, these, these verbs are used in the Hebrew language, they, they, are, they come across as imperatives, meaning there are three commands that God gives us, three instructions. These are not suggestions. They're imperatives. They're commands. They're instruction from God. But the promise is, if we follow these instructions, what will happen is we will experience God's purpose and plan for our life, and we just looked at why that's an awesome thing to get in on. So let me give them to you. Number one, this one's going to blow your mind. Trust in the Lord. You say, where'd you get that from? Proverbs chapter 3. Verse 5 says, trust 
in the Lord with all your heart. It's easy to say, trust in the Lord. It's something else to live trusting the Lord. What does it mean to trust? Well, it's the Hebrew word for having faith or belief. What does it mean to have faith in something? It's a, it's a difficult concept to try to articulate, honestly. Try to think of a way to define faith. What we usually wind up doing is, is defining it with a synonym. Well, faith is belief. Well, what does it mean to believe, to have faith? We, we use a synonym to define it. That's why sometimes when the gospel is taken to other cultures and other languages, there's not even a word in their language for this concept to be able to translate it into their language. One of the missionaries named John Patton was taking the gospel to an unreached people in the Hebrides Islands, and he ran into this very struggle. He was translating the New Testament into their language, and there was no word in their language for faith or belief or trust. So he was struggling to come up with this biblical concept of faith and believing in Jesus. And one day, one of the natives from the islands came running into his hut as he was wrestling with this concept of faith. And the native threw themselves down in a chair and and used a word in their language to say, man, I'm resting my whole weight on this chair. And as soon as they said that, The missionary's eyes lit up because he said, man, I've got my definition. Here's what it means to have faith, to rest my whole weight on God. That's why the writer of Proverbs says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. There's no halfway faith. There's no halfway trust. There's no kind of trusting in God. It's either all or it's nothing. John Piper said it this way, talking about this verse. He said, to trust in the Lord means to be banking on the promises of God step by step. As you live, bank on the promises of God. Here's what that means. Today, as we sit here in 2020, we're not trusting in politicians We're not trusting in medical experts. We're not trusting in our career. We're not trusting in our money. We're not trusting in our platform. We're not trusting in our circumstances. We're not trusting in our employer. We're not trusting in what's happening around us. As followers of Jesus Christ, in the midst of all the chaos, let me tell you what we do. We just rest all of our weight on the promises of God. Now, let me give you three examples of his promises that we can rest in today. Number one, God is in control. If you believe that, say amen. Amen. If you believe that, would you please tell your social media feed? God is in control. Here's what that means, child of God. Stop freaking out. God has not somehow fallen off of his throne because of 2020. He's not in heaven wringing his hands today. There is no sweat on his brow. He is not distraught. Our God is in control. 
As children of God, we should demonstrate to a watching world, yes, we're living in the same uncertainty they're living in. The difference is we've thrust our whole weight on a God who's in control. So it changes the way we live in the midst of the circumstances. Let me give you some examples. This is taught all through Scripture. Let me show it to you. We've seen it in Proverbs, Proverbs 16, 33. Look at it. The lot is cast into the lap, but it's every decision is from the Lord. What does that say? God's in control. Job 42, 2. Anybody know the story of Job? I would say Job's life was kind of like a life of 2020, right? I mean, if you know his story, he's looking at us going, you guys, come on. (laughs) Like it ain't that bad yet. And listen to what Job said at the very end of his story. Listen to what he said. He says this to God. I know that you can do all things and that no purpose of yours can be thwarted. Let me give it to you in the New Testament. Colossians chapter 1, verse 16 and 17. Listen to this. For by him, who's him? God himself. It's really speaking about the person of Christ himself. For by him, Jesus, God, all things were created. What does he mean by all things? Both in the heavens and on the earth, visible and invisible, meaning the things you can see and the things you can't see. Whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. Listen to this. He is before all things. That means literally he existed prior to. It speaks to the eternality of God. Before there was anything, he was everything. He existed before all things. And get this, in him, all things hold together. Here's what that means. It means they continue to exist. So get this. It says he made everything and he existed before all things and all things continue to exist because of him what does that say God is in control when things appear to be out of control you can trust that God is in control and the theological term for this is the sovereignty of God our team here at Hope Church I love Our worship and Hope Creative team here at Hope Church, they write and arrange and put together some of the most powerful worship music that just speaks to my soul. This song that they just released, Still Sovereign, speaks to this idea of the sovereignty of God. But when we talk about the sovereignty of God, it's one of those words that we kind of throw around in the church, but sometimes we don't really understand what it means. It sounds awesome, but it's a little daunting If you look it up in a dictionary, it means supreme ruler, supreme authority, one who's in control. A few weeks ago, I gave you a new definition of sovereign. It's the one who is large and in charge. That's who our God is. When it comes to the world we live in, there's only one who's large and in charge. And he's never up for election. His throne is eternal. He's sovereign. How do we make sure we're we're walking in sync with God's purpose and plan? Number one, we've got to trust him, which means rest in his promises. What's the first promise? God's in control. Let me give you a second promise. God knows everything. Let's act like it. God knows everything. We may be surprised, but he's not. 
Let me show it to you. Psalm 147, verse 5. Great is our Lord and abundant in strength. His understanding, the word understanding means knowledge and wisdom combined, is infinite. It means unable to be counted, meaning there's no limit to the knowledge and wisdom of God. Let me show it to you in the New Testament. 1 John chapter 3, verse 20. For God is greater than our heart and knows all things. That this little phrase, all things here in the Greek language, it's one word. It's the word pas. And the word pas in the Greek language means all in two ways. It means all the whole. It means he knows all the whole, meaning all the mysteries of the universe. He already knows all of it. But it also means all, every individual part. Meaning he not only knows all the mysteries of the universe, he knows every minute detail of your day. He knows everything. We can trust that God is aware and in control of everything that is happening in our lives. Here's the third promise. God is good. Hey, it's one thing to be in control. It's something else to know everything. It makes it a game changer that the one who's in control and knows everything is also good. Listen, God is so good. A.W. Tozier says that God is good is taught or implied on every page of the Bible. God is good. Let me show you some examples. First Chronicles chapter 16, verse 34. Oh, give thanks to the Lord for he is, say it out loud good for his loving kindness is everlasting. Psalm 25 verse 8, say it out loud. Good and upright is the Lord. Psalm 145 verse 9, the Lord is, say it out loud. Good to who? To all and his mercies are over all his works. To say that God is good means that God always acts in accordance with that which is right and true. Did you hear that? To say God is good means that he always acts in accordance with that which is right and that which is true. God is good, meaning this, no matter what you're walking through right now, you can trust that it has been filtered through the goodness of God for you and it is right. Hey, it may not feel good, But ultimately, it will be good because God is good. So let me try to summarize this this first point for you. We're to trust in the Lord. I just gave you three promises. Now, there are somewhere between six and 9,000, depending on who you ask and how they interpret, between six and 9,000 promises in the Bible. I just highlighted three of them. But just based on those three, look at this summary. Since God is good, God wants only the very best for you. Amen? Since God is all-knowing, God knows what's best for you. That's good, right? Because sometimes I want what's best for my family, but I don't always know what's best for my family. I want what's best for Hope Church. I don't always know what's best for Hope Church. God not only wants what's best because he's good, he knows what's best because he knows everything. But look at this. Since God is in control, he's able to bring about what's best for you. 
It's one thing to want what's best. It's something else to know what's best. It's something else to have the power to make what's best happen in your life. The Bible says in just three of the 9,000 promises that that is the God who we serve. So the writer of Proverbs says, here's step one, trust in the Lord. Just rest your whole weight on him. You got instruction number one? What is it? Say it with me. Trust in the Lord. Here's number two. Don't trust in yourself. Did you hear it? Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And what? Lean not. Here's what's interesting. That phrase lean not in Hebrew, you know what it really means? To rest your weight on something. It's actually a contrast. He's saying rest your whole weight, your whole heart on God. Don't rest any of it on your own understanding. We live in a self-centered culture. Part of it's woven into the fabric of our nation. Here's what I mean by that. We're a nation built on individual freedoms and rights. Listen, I think that's beautiful as a country. It's awesome. The problem is when we become a Christian, the Bible says we're to die to ourselves, Which means I died to my rights. Now I, I belong to him. But the self-centered culture that we live in creates often a perspective that we're always right. And so you'll hear phrases like this in society. Listen to your heart. Trust your own judgment. Follow your inner voice. Or here's my personal favorite. It's kind of recent. I know my truth. Whatever that means. Can I tell you what Proverbs says about it? Proverbs 28, 26. He who trusts in his own heart is a, say it out loud. So you're not supposed to call anybody a fool. I didn't. The Bible did. God can do whatever he wants to. He not only said by way of command, don't lean on your own understanding. He said, if you do it, if you choose to trust in yourself rather than trusting in me, here's what God said, you're a fool. That's a foolish way to live. Don't trust in yourself. Why does the Bible give us this warning? Why does God give us this warning? Well, let me show you. Jeremiah 17, verse 9. Look at what it says. The heart is more deceitful than all else and is desperately sick. Who can understand it? Here's what that means. You will lie to you. We do it all the time, right? That's why we lie to ourselves because it's the right thing to do, and then we do it, we feel bad, we know we shouldn't have done that. But we've justified it somehow. We've, we've, we've logically leapt over all the hurdles to get us there. You see, your heart will lie to you. Follow your heart, know your own truth, listen to your inner voice. Listen, that's garbage. The Bible says trust in the Lord. Don't lean on your own understanding. Your heart will lie to you. 
The first step out of sync with God's plan and purpose for your life is to trust in the lies of your heart rather than to trust in God. It's the first step out of sync. For example, God's word is clear about a particular area in your life, but your heart says, I I know the Bible says, but don't you think God wants you to be happy? What is that? It's your heart lying. Your heart will say, you know, maybe God's just not aware of what's happening in your situation. You know, if God was just aware, he would give you a pass. Well, what did we just learn? God God knows everything. See, that's a lie. Our heart will lie to us. Trust in the Lord. Don't trust in yourself. Here's number three. Invite God into every situation. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. Here's the third imperative in Hebrew. In all your ways, say it out loud, acknowledge Him. This word acknowledge here is a word that's from a root word, and the root word simply means to know. This word is a relational word. It speaks about knowing God relationally and experientially. Acknowledging Him in every way, acknowledging Him, the Scripture says here, in all your ways is the idea of relationally pursuing God in everything you do. Let me show you a a quote by Henry Blackaby that was very clarifying for me. Listen to what he said. The key to knowing God's voice is not a formula. A lot of Christians want that. Give Give me the three points in the poem so I can know what God's will is. No, the key is not a formula. It is not a method you can follow. Knowing God's voice comes from an intimate love relationship with God. Which means you and I cannot put God in our Sunday box or our worship service box or our quiet time box and then go out and live our lives on our own apart from fellowship with the Father. Acknowledging Him in all of our ways is about inviting the presence of God, our relationship to God, with God to saturate every moment of our lives. I love the way the message translates or paraphrases Proverbs 3, 6, where we read, in all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. Listen to the way the message paraphrases. Look at this. Listen for God's voice in everything you do. Everywhere you go, he's the one who will keep you on track. So let me give you, in, in, in closing up, two practical ways to apply this. Number one, Live what you know. Live what you know. You say, what do you mean by that? Well, Rick Warren, in, 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 uh, in an article that he wrote last year, said this. It was very profound. I loved it. Listen to what he said. Everything you can do, everything you do can be spending time with God if he is invited to be a part of it and you stay aware of his presence. We tend to think spending time with God happens when I gather for worship. Spending time with God happens when I go to my small group. Spending time with God happens when I'm in my personal God time, devotional time, quiet time, whatever you call it. 
But what this passage of Scripture is teaching us is I'm to live trusting in God with my whole heart. I'm not to trust in myself. And in every moment of my life, I'm to invite my relationship with God to be the centerpiece of my life. Let me give you some practical examples. Tomorrow, you go to work. You're at work, and you see evidence of God's goodness. Maybe, out of the blue, an unexpected blessing comes into your life. Maybe you get a text or an email that's super encouraging. You didn't expect it. You know what that is? That's a demonstration of the goodness of God. So what do you do? In that moment at work, just on the inside, you just begin to thank him. God, thank you for this demonstration of your goodness in my life. Lord, you know I needed this today. You know what that is? In all your ways, acknowledge him. You're just doing email, you're just doing text, you're just at the office, but you see God's goodness and you turn it into an opportunity to have a conversation with the Father on the inside. You begin to thank Him. Here's another example. Maybe tomorrow you're at work and you see the truth of God's character. Or in your neighborhood, you're at the store and you see something about the truth of God's character. Maybe you see God's provision tomorrow in a unique way. Maybe out of the blue, you just miraculously, some provision comes your way. Or you experience the faithfulness of God. Rather than the first thing you do is to call somebody or to text somebody, you just, the first response is to begin to just worship and praise God for who he is, his faithfulness and his provision and his power. Or maybe tomorrow there is a temptation that comes up in your life to sin. What do you do in that moment of temptation? What if you use that opportunity to begin to talk to the Father and say, Lord, everything in me right now wants to run after that, but Lord, I know it's not what you want. You see, temptation, we hear the word and think negative. Let me sh show you Clyde Cranford who discipled me and mentored me. Listen to what he said about it in his book. Clyde said, God, all what God allows us to be tempted so that we may succeed. Did you hear that? God allows us to be tempted so that we may succeed. Every temptation is an opportunity to sin, but it's also an opportunity to obey. God uses temptations we face to strengthen our faith and confidence in Him. When we obey God in the power of the Holy Spirit, we are encouraged by that obedience to rely on Him even more in the next temptation. What if in moments of temptation, whether it's lust or anger or gossip, what if in those moments of temptation you run to the feet of Jesus and you choose to follow him and in conversation with him you begin to live in victory over that moment of temptation? Maybe tomorrow there's a need that you'll face. You'll find out a friend's gotten sick, maybe diagnosed with COVID or a co-worker's lost their job or a neighbor's having marriage problems. What do you do in those moments? If there's a need, you seek him. Just in your heart, you begin to just seek him. God, I just heard about my neighbor who's lost their job or struggling with their marriage. And Lord, I just, I'm not talking about, you don't have to run into a closet and shut the door and get down. I'm just talking about in your heart. You're just acknowledging him in all your ways. In every experience you have tomorrow, you're just going to begin to acknowledge him. You're inviting him. If there's a disappointment tomorrow, a heartache, you're going to run to him. Instead of wallowing in it, instead of, Allowing yourself to feel depressed and moping around. You're going to do what Psalm 46.1 admonishes us to do. God is a refuge and strength, a very present help in time of trouble. So the first way you invite God into every situation, you acknowledge him, is to live what you already know. 
But then secondly, listen for what you don't know and wait until you do know. We'll all face moments of indecision, uncertainty, doubt as it pertains to God's purpose and plan for our lives. In moments of uncertainty, we simply don't know what to do. Let me give you a life lesson that I've learned after over 30 years of walking with the Lord. Here's my life lesson. A lack of clarity is always an invitation to deeper intimacy with God. Did you hear that? A lack of clarity is not an invitation for me to try to figure it out on my own. When I don't know what the next step's supposed to be, that's an invitation to deeper intimacy with the Father. And here's what I've learned through the years. When you begin to seek Him intimately, clarity always comes. Again, Henry Blackaby said it this way. If you do not have clear instructions from God in a matter, pray. And here's a word we all love, wait. Learn patience. Depend on God's timing. His timing is always right and best. Don't get in a hurry. He may be withholding directions to cause you to seek Him more intently. Don't try to skip over the relationship to get on with doing. God is more interested in a love relationship with you than He is in what you can do for Him. So, how do we walk in sync? Well, let's put Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 up here one last time. What does the writer of Proverbs say? Trust in the Lord with all your heart. There's the first one. Trust Him. Lean not on your own understanding. Don't trust yourself. There's the second one. And all your ways acknowledge Him. In every moment of life, invite the presence of God. Invite the relationship. And then here it is. Here's the beautiful promise. These first three, he's talking to you. But then he says, let me tell you what I'll do. He will make your paths straight. In Hebrew, this phrase literally means to smooth out. Here's what that means. He'll remove all the obstacles from you walking in sync with His plan and His purpose. As you trust Him, don't trust yourself, and invite Him into every moment of your life. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray that you would speak as only you can pray that you would take these truths and drive them deep into our hearts. As you sit quietly and reflect on these truths, just a moment our worship team is going to sing another song and give us an opportunity to just worship God in response to his word. But before we do that, I want to I speak to two groups of people. First of all, maybe you're here and you're a Christian, and in hearing this, you recognize that you are out of sync with God's purpose and plan for your life. You say, what do I do? 
What do I do if I already know, man, I'm out of sync with God's purpose and plan? What do I do? It's real simple. In the New Testament, John, one of Jesus' disciples, wrote a verse of instruction about that. Here's what he said. If, if we confess our sin. The word confess means to agree with God, to say the same thing. If you know you're out of sync with God's purpose and plan, the Bible says if we confess our sin. Here's what I encourage you to do right now, right there in your heart, right there in your seat, right there in your home. Just confess your sin. Say, God, here's the area where I've stepped outside of your purpose and plan. Lord, I know it. You know it. Here it is. Don't justify it. Don't make excuses. Don't talk about your circumstances. Just say, God, it's not what you want for me. You're right. I'm wrong. God, I confess it. Listen to what John said. If we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So here's where you start. You confess your sin. Then you do this. You embrace God's forgiveness. You don't have to work your way back into the purpose and plan of God for you. You can confess it and embrace His forgiveness and experience His redemption and restoration. Now, the third thing I want you to do is just make a fresh surrender right there in your heart. Just say, God, right now, I surrender to you, your plan, your purpose for my life. So if you're a Christian, you're out of sync, you deal with that right now in your heart. Here's the last group I want to talk to. Maybe you're here and you're not a Christian. Let me say to you very clearly, God has a purpose and a plan for your life. And it's wonderful. It's wonderful. But listen, the first step to getting in on His purpose and plan is to trust Him. It's that same word we talked about, faith. But the starting point for you is to to trust Him in salvation. You see, the Bible says that God has a purpose and plan for your life, and it's amazing, but that we've all sinned against God, and our sin has removed us from being in sync with God and with God's purpose and plan for our life. But God loved us so much that He didn't leave us there. He sent His Son, Jesus, into the world to die on a cross for our sin, rose again from the dead, so that you and I could be forgiven of our sin. But here's what it requires, faith. You must confess your sin and trust in Jesus to save you. If you're here tonight and you've never trusted Jesus and Jesus alone to save you, you can right where you're sitting, just cry out to him and say, Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner. I know that only you can save me. And I ask you to save me. Jesus, I trust in you. Or you can... Grab your smartphone and we have some people that would love to connect with you. If you'd like to have a conversation about what it means to follow Jesus, you can text. Just grab your phone and text 94090. That's the number, 94090. And you text this phrase, Jesus follower. Text Jesus follower to 94090 and we'll connect with you and have conversation about how you can follow Jesus. Or If you'd like to know Jesus and you want to talk to somebody tonight when we dismiss in a few moments out in the courtyard, there's going to be a tent. We'll have some volunteers there. You can go to that tent and one of them would be happy to talk with you 
about how you can discover God's purpose and plan for your life. Lord, thank you for making it plain. God, thank you for speaking with clarity. Thank you for the instruction of your word. Lord, I pray for the people in this room and the people online. God, that we would be a people that walk in sync with your purpose and plan for us. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.